Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Baltazor. And today, we're going to be discussing and recapping the Sunflower Showdown in which your Kansas State Wildcats walked away victorious 35-10 against the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, let's not beat around the bush here. Let's get right into the general game day recap. And we typically have one or two notes every single episode that transcend the normal offensive and defensive portions. Last week, it was King Felix, and this week, it is Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, Deuce is really good. Not sure if if anyone knows that, but uh, Deuce, Deuce might be good. I think he might be onto something. I think it may be a little bit too early. I don't want to jump the gun on Deuce being a good running back. But maybe we can start to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really... Not I, I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other part that transcends the offensive and defensive recaps is uh, Gavin Potter is still an idiot. Will always be... <laughs> still hate him. Always has been. He always has been. That's the secret. Like, like it's not a new thing. He's just always been terrible. So, yeah, Like, fun fact, he sucks. <laughs> but now let's get into the offensive game day recap. I'll take everything from Skyler to Malik on the outline. Sounds good. All right. Skyler had himself a really good day passing, 19 for 24 with 244 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. And then, uh, spoilers, the offensive MVP, Deuce Vaughn. Had 11 carries for 162 yards, three rushing touchdowns, as well as five catches for 60 yards. Joe had nine yards, I mean, nine attempts for 60 yards. Yes, 60 attempts for nine yards. The the epitome of inefficiency is LeGarrette Blunt out here. (laughs) LeGarrette Blunt hours. And then Malik had three catches for 94 yards and one touchdown, including a beautiful deep ball from Skyler. Yeah, that was the, um, the that was the second moment that I was no longer worried at all about the game. The first moment was the very first run that Deuce had because he <laughs> he had nine yards very easily yeah. to the right side of the line. I was like, okay, it's gonna be one of these games. And, right. and then the uh, long connection. It was a one of Skyler's best throws on the year, right on the money to Malik. That's one thing. That's one of the few things that he's really never gotten super consistent on in his career is the deep ball. Which, granted, that's a hard thing to really be consistent at because yeah. it's by by virtue of his existence, it's difficult. And but Skyler just had all around a really great day. Deuce, we uh, can't really say enough about him, other than he averaged almost 15 yards per carry <laughs> and then 12 yards per reception. Which is good. So, Deuce Vaughn, good. Deuce Vaughn is good, allegedly. Yeah, and then you can cover uh, the rest of offense, and then you want to just take defense? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll take defense. Okay. Cade, he had a nice three catches for 36 yards. He's really been coming to his own as of late after not really doing a whole lot for the beginning of the season and a lot of that is effort catches he's just making so ridiculous after that this puts him at 10 catches for 120 yards on the year and he didn't have any receptions in the first three games as i recall he didn't make any catches until conference play so he's doing all of this in 
pretty recent amount of time. Also looking at his stats on ESPN, he now has a career high in yardage this year at 120. His best before was 101. So this previous game put him over. Uh, but yeah, the big thing to touch home with on Cade Warner is that he just was making straight-up effort plays uh, against KU. He was just fighting through tackles. The one in particular, I forget what quarter it was, but he had the big third-down catch where he was stopped about three yards shy and simply decided against that and <laughs> then fought through multiple tacklers. And he's not a particularly large receiver. He's like 6'1", 200 pounds yeah, which is like most. Like, that's your stereotypical, like, outside receiver. Yeah. That's not particularly large. Yeah, that's the average receiver. He's no Malik, he's no Seabass, he's no Tyrone. and But he played like he was one of them, at least in terms of size for that moment. And he just made a powerful rumble for a first down. And rumble is not normally a word I would use to describe Cade Warner. But we may need to start using it, because it was an excellent play. And I was at this game, and it was a very frustrating play for the KU fans in attendance, <laughs> which I get it. I would be very angry if I that would happened. Be livid. Like I, I would lose my mind. But beyond that, uh, we also had uh, Keenan Garber. He had two receptions for eight yards, and then we had a lot of receivers with one reception. I'm just going to run through all of them. Uh, Landry had one catch for 17 yards. Joe Irvin had a catch for 12 yards. He nearly dropped it, and it made me realize why we almost never give him the ball through the air <laughs> because he doesn't have good hands. Tyrone Howell had one catch for 11 yards. Uh, they're listing Daniel Green as having a catch. That's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know where that happened. Yeah, I, I that's just incorrect. So I'm imagining ESPN just screwed up the stats. RJ Garcia had his first career reception as one catch for six yards. And then... Connor Fox had a catch for three yards. Sammy Wheeler had one for two yards. He also had a crushing block of Gavin Potter. <laughs> he pulled out from, I think, H-back position to pull out and block for a Joe Irvin run, I believe, and just eviscerated Gavin Potter. Went oh, in, Gavin Potter. got him at, like, the ankles and flipped him over. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. And Jackson Ian had a reception, fortunately, for negative two yards. And that was pretty much it for receiving. I guess rushing the ball, there were a few other people. Like Jordan Shippers had two carries for seven yards. Jacardier had a carry. RJ had a carry. Sennett had the touchdown. Uh, and then Will had one carry pretty late. But not anything super eventful. On the Will Howard special. Yeah, on the Will Howard special. Will had like four carries that just all got nullified by penalties. Because that, that second to last drive was just infuriating. We had... <laughs> We had the first down like maybe three or four times, and the refs just said no. Yeah, we, we just declined. <laughs> yeah, so that was unfortunate. But defensively, we were pretty good. Granted, it was against a pretty bad KU offense. Down to their third string quarterback. Yeah, they started out bad, and it only got worse. Daniel Green had a field day against KU. He had eight tackles. Five of them were solo. He had two and a half tackles for loss. Jerron McPherson, he had seven tackles, one and a half TFLs. Austin Moore had five tackles and had half a tackle for loss. Felix had one sack and half a tackle for loss, as well as uh, one other tackle, it appears, unless that's just the sack. But all around, the defense was pretty dominant. At times, it felt like they weren't, but it really 
in reality, it was like two big drives that they had. Like they had the one chunk play KU did, and they threw the air, the uh, 45-yard pass, and that that made up almost 25% of their passing yards. And then they just had the one long drive where they just kept making pretty good plays and that was pretty much it other than that they did not do anything at all against this team we were very prepared especially for the read option they went away from that very fast and faster than i thought they would because jason bean died (laughs) yes but you know it's not like miles kendrick and jalen daniels are like immobile i mean honestly the three of them are basically the same quarterback except Jason Bean's just faster. <laughs> Jalen Daniels is a slightly better thrower. Yeah, Jalen Daniels is a slightly better thrower. Like, you can... When I say slightly, it really is, it is slightly. slightly. Like, but, I don't know. Just all around defense, like, take a bow. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Excuse me. So now, let's get into the game day grade segment where we grade every single position group plus coordinators on a grading system of A plus to F. A plus basically meaning they single-handedly won us the game, and F meaning they lost us the game or came very close to it. I'll give you a hint. No one got an F this week. Nobody came even close. to getting an F this week. No, no, absolutely not. So, But let's start off with the position that everyone looks at first, and that is the quarterback position. Listen. Skyler was 19 for 24 with 244. Yeah, I don't feel like that deserves anything but an A. Yeah. Like, I, I think you're right on the money there. 19 to 24, 244. Um, he didn't really have any awful throws. Most of his bad throws were just overthrows on deep yeah. balls. Like, honestly, he had Garber for a touchdown. Like, he had a couple steps on a defender, but he just overthrew him barely. It was a really close overthrow. And... I could tell that we really wanted to get Garber the uh, touchdown in his hometown, mm-hmm. which, fair. Yeah. But, yeah, I give Skyler an A as well, uh, just because he was really good. The only thing is that he, he did only have one touchdown. He didn't need any more. Like, that's the only – at this point, the only thing he could have done to improve his stat line was to get more touchdowns, but he didn't need them. So, it's really not the biggest deal. He nearly had another as well. Deuce was tackled, like, the one-yard line on a run. Yeah. Then we, we handed the ball to Ben Sinnott, of all people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then uh, Will actually came in for that last drive. Will didn't look bad. Mm-mm. No, Will, uh, he looked pretty comfortable in the pocket. He stepped up. It's clear that they worked on his pocket presence a little bit in the uh, previous few weeks uh, to have – um, help him step up and uh, rather than immediately bail or go right or left if the tackles are coming around, you know, move and move forward as opposed to around. Uh, and he was making some good reads. He had several pretty good throws that were nullified by penalties. And then several good runs yeah, and that had, were nullified by penalties. Yeah, so he still ended up, his official stat lines, 2 of 13, 13 yards, 1 rush, 9 yards. So, I mean... It's a fine backup stat line. Although in practice he did a little bit more than what was shown on the final box score. But yeah, A for the QB position for me. Yeah, and then uh, A plus. Yeah, A plus. A plus. On. A plus running backs. Yeah, dude. On. <laughs> I just want to read the stat line one more time. Go ahead. Just buddy. to hit a home. Eleven carries, one hundred sixty-two rushing yards, three touchdowns for Deuce Vaughn with a long of eighty yards. 14.7 yards per carry, and then five catches, 60 yards for 12 yards per catch, long of 23. 
Deuce Vaughn is leading this team in rushing and receiving. It's not even remotely close in rushing. It's not particularly close in receiving either. He has, I think, a lead by close to 100. So he has 866 on the ground at this point in the season with 12 touchdowns. He will be a 1,000-yard rusher this year. And receiving-wise, he will probably be roughly 600, yeah. five or 600, I think. So I don't know what else to say. Uh, Joe also was really good. Nine carries, 60 yards with the one reception. And we got to see Shippers. I don't know if we'll ever – we may never see him again. We're never seeing him again. But he did have two carries for seven yards at the end, get the Kansas kid a couple carries. And Jacardier had a nice carry for five yards. So. Yeah. yeah, so running backs A+. plus <laughs> To the surprise of no one. Yeah, I, I don't think that's particularly controversial. So. so now we get to talk about the wide receiver room. And the wide receiver room was solid all day. The only thing that I would say – is that we still have a lot of room to improve route running, especially on the short to intermediate game. Because, unironically, probably our best route runner on intermediate routes is Cade Warner. Which, like, not to take away from Cade Warner's, like, intermediate route running ability, but, like, someone else want to contribute there? Yeah, it's slightly concerning. Um, like there's people there that I'd really like to see break out as intermediate route runners. Granted, we did not see a lot of Philip Brooks this week on offense and he's been maybe not our best route runner over the middle, but he's definitely our best target over the middle. I would say Philip Brooks lended his 99 overall ability on third down to Cade Warner this week. That is actually probably true because Philip, (laughs) Philip was back for punt returns and that was basically it this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was out in the formation a little bit, but was never targeted. So I'd imagine he just wasn't quite healthy enough. But Malik, uh, what what grade did you say you gave again? Uh, I haven't said, but B plus. Oh, B plus. Uh, that's also what I gave. So, but uh, did you? What else did you have to say about the receivers? Like anything particular? No terrible drops. Deep route running continues to be like a surprising, like yeah. upside. Yeah, Gar- Especially Keenan. Keenan is an excellent deep route runner, and that's it's not even just his speed. Yeah, yeah like he actually is a good deep route runner. Period. And he ran basically the same route against KU they did against OU for essentially the same result, except the throw was just a little too far. And if that throw is just a yard shorter, which this honestly might be Skyler overcorrecting for his underthrow issues on deep balls, <laughs> which I'd rather he throw it too far than too short, especially yeah. if the coverage is a little bit tight. So uh, it's not the worst problem in the world to have They'll figure it out. And he did complete the deep ball once this week. The 68-yarder to Malik to really blow the game open as if it wasn't blown open when the clock started. Yeah. Uh, and Malik, he had a pretty solid day. Three catches, 94 yards, 31.3, one touchdown. Like, pretty good day. Yep. Now I gave it B-plus as well. And they also mess continued the tradition that it seems he's established in the past game of just get as many people Involved as, as possible. Yeah, as many receivers as possible are going to be catching a pass in the mess, the new and improved Courtney Messingham offense. It's a which, different person, I swear to you. I also, I think I told you this, I think I saw Mess walking to one of my classes, walking out of Sparrow, getting coffee. Was, and I was tempted to wave at him, but like, and I thought of him like, <laughs> no, 
No, he probably doesn't want to be recognized getting coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's a little early, so I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, we can talk about it a bit more later about Messi's offense, but I have been really impressed with him over these last few weeks. They, The coaching staff clearly... Oh, we have an agenda! We do have the agenda to uphold. We actually, we hate Messingham. We're just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was acting. Unless. Unless. But now we can talk about tight ends and fullbacks, which, yeah, this is the highest that I'll give the grade of this year to the tight ends and fullbacks. Because even though they didn't contribute, like, a whole, whole lot in terms of receiving, in fact, Bebe didn't even get a catch, they contributed a lot more than you think in the blocking game. And just because of that, I'm honestly going to give them a B plus. And uh, the Wheeler block on Gavin Potter, yes, that's kind of why it's not a B. <laughs> I'm in, like, a pretty similar boat, although I went a little bit higher for basically the same reason, and that the... I was at a B plus, and the Wheeler block alone was enough to bump them up to an A minus for me. Uh, they got a lot of guys the ball. Uh, ironically, no Amatra Bebe, which is really weird because I believe eleven different people caught the ball, and not a single one of them was Daniel Amatra Bebe. Which granted, we didn't really need him. Uh, Connor Fox had a reception. Sammy Wheeler did. Deneen had a catch. So they were getting the ball to the tight ends and fullbacks. Sinnott had the rushing touchdown at the one. Uh, there was good downfield blocking as well. Uh, Jax had a nice block downfield at one point, I recall. Barda played a little bit. Christian Moore, I remember, played a little uh, in goal line sets as in the tight end position, which was interesting. And uh, they, they were just good. Like, not anything to complain about I, that I can think of. Good blocking. When they had the ball, they did what they could. Granted, the throws they had were generally check down, so there wasn't very far to go. Then Wheeler had the crushing block on Gavin Potter, which was <laughs> just beautiful. So, chef's kiss. All right. So now we get to talk about the offensive line, which had a solid day. Uh, actually, they had a really good day. The only rep that I can think of that was truly, like, poor outside of garbage time, where they got, like, five consecutive penalties, is... Uh, Christian Duffy getting coffee housed into the next life on a rep. Coffee housing basically means that uh, a rusher takes a step forward and then if he realizes he's going to get blocked, he runs back into coverage. That's what it. That's what it means. Yeah, which allowed a uh, corner. Uh, which allowed a corner blitz to just go right around him. I don't think he ever even saw it. No, he never saw it. And Skyler, if he didn't get the ball out sooner, he would have been detonated. Yeah. By that corner. Which I don't remember what the th- pass ended up being, but it was marginal gain, I believe. Yeah. It was to Deuce, maybe? I think it was. I think that I think that was that throw over the middle to Deuce on the choice route, the one that got the touchdown last year against Texas Tech. Uh, just different side. Yeah. But yeah, I other than that, there's no real like egregious moments, and they played really well. The only thing I'd like to see them clean up is get your head up. And also maybe stop with false starts and holds. Because there were a couple of times we were a bit grabby. But other than that, they did really well, so they get an A-minus from me. Yeah, I give them an A-minus as well. Uh, very similar reasons. They all around were really solid. Duffy did kind of get embarrassed on that one play. But other than that, Duffy didn't really noticeably mess up at all. Uh, Adler, I didn't notice much from him. Noah, he was pretty good pulling. Uh, Josh was good. BB, other than the uh, false start, uh, was pretty solid. 
Yeah. We have to see some backups as well. KT Leviston came in and played some left tackle for a while. It was pretty was, good. Yeah, it was surprisingly solid. Uh, um, they didn't ask him to do a ton. He wasn't in at left tackle for a long time. No. But on all around the offensive line, they were just really solid. Didn't really make a ton of errors. Uh, they weren't being shown much by this Kansas defensive line. There were a <laughs> lot of pass rush plays were kind of like what we saw in film. This didn't change at all, really. They just kind of hung out they just kind of stood there yeah, at times like, they had and then they had the one guy whose name i cannot recall who actually tried a bit but that didn't help him he just was trying <laughs> and being fair to christian duffy this is not like the worst that that coffee house is understandable it's not him tripping on himself against siu yeah it's he not it's not really that funny. bad and i we like we like duffy we give him a lot of crap but we like duffy and we yeah. don't think he's the worst offensive lineman on the line <laughs> who could who could that be? Don't. I won't ask. But, <laughs> yeah, Duffy's good. Like he just when he messes up, he really no, messes he up. Really messes up. But he's generally really solid. It's just that his errors are very visible, especially just because he's a tackle. It's part of being a tackle. Yeah. Like you're out there isolated. When you're interior lineman, sometimes you can kind of like get crunched in with the other guys. Unless, and, unless. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So, offensively, no one gets below a B plus. Which, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. They were great. They you. But, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line, I mean, the only thing I could possibly ask for is more sacks. But even then, that's like... That's asking a lot. That's given, asking a lot. Given the game plan, especially. Yeah. For KU. Like, but... Timmy Horn was a game breaker. Again, didn't show up much on stat sheets, but he was uh, the reason why key third down was not converted because he just shoved the center away and then made the tackle himself. Uh, Felix is still Felix. Nate Matlick had a really key pass breakup, which is, you know, not a pass breakup, but a batted down pass is better. I think it's still technically a PBU, but that's semantics but it just the d-line was really good so honestly they get an a from me because a plus would have been they just got like two more sacks but with the game plan that ku is rolling out with where it was a lot of bootleg a lot of run and a lot of option and a lot of quick timing plays yeah no i, I can't ask for a lot more yeah uh defensive line pretty similar stance i gave an a for the defensive line timmy once again was great the Kansas offensive line, they just were they're just not equipped to take on somebody like Timmy Horn. They do not have the facilities for that. Uh, Felix, he had his now trademarked uh, almost end of the first half sack. <laughs> <laughs> because that, that's honestly one of the very few moments in the game where KU had longer developing pass plays that even allowed for a sack. Because KU's passing game plan, especially early on when Jason Bean was still in, was just drop back at the ball out as fast as possible because they know that their D line or that our D line is much better than their offensive line, which was a good game plan on their part. What they didn't count on was uh, their pass game still being bad. And <laughs> ah, they forgot. <laughs> yeah. They, they forgot that. It's that they, they fell for one of the classic <laughs> blunders. <laughs> Thinking they were good. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, the D line was still great. Uh, Trussell had a tackle. Uh, Felix uh, had the sack and half a TFL to go with that. 
Um, not much else to mention. Uh, Boom Massey, he had a tackle. Nate Matlick had a tackle. Like, there wasn't a ton of statistical production from a lot of the players on that on, on the defensive line, but they were making the impact, and the linebackers were just playing downhill like crazy <laughs> and just going through the holes that were opened up, which we will now get into. So, yeah. Great transition. Thank you. <clears throat> so, linebackers, this was another... K-State didn't have a bad group this week. Uh, spoilers, no group got below a B-plus anywhere. So, linebackers had a really, really good day in their own right, specifically Daniel Green. Yep. But even Austin Moore contributed, and uh, Cody Fletcher. I, I, the only problem that I really have is that roughing the passer call, which you didn't think was that bad, but when I watched it at full speed, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can understand why. Especially on a quarterback that was hurt earlier in the game. I can understand why they make that call. But other than that, there's no egregiously bad moments for any of the linebackers. And it would have been an A+, if not for that roughing call. Because that, come on, you have to you have to learn to like walk away or pull up at that point. But other than that, really great day all around, A. I went with an A+, for the linebackers, just because almost exclusively because of the play of Daniel Green. He was just flying around the field absolutely everywhere. He blew up Jason Bean once. He blew up a few running plays. He had two and a half TFLs, eight total tackles. He was just great. Uh, He played, his performance was that of an all Big 12 linebacker, Mm -hmm. I would say. And he played like an elite level athlete. He could do no wrong against KU. Fletcher did have the roughing. I will say in real time, it did not look that bad at all. Like there was less than a second disparity between uh, the hit, uh, between the throw and the hit. The replay, it's still questionable. I get it why they called it, but I, I think in an objective situation without the context of Jason Bean being hurt, I don't think that's a roughing call, at least not in college football, maybe in the NFL. But, <laughs> but I mean, Daniel Green was elite. Uh, Austin Moore also was good. Uh, Fletcher was still really good as well. Uh, and then Nick Allen, I recall him having a couple of solid tackles. Uh, yeah, the linebacker, this was their best day on the year, as I would hope. They were just absolute fits for KU in the running game. They averaged less than three yards a carry. I cannot ask for more than the linebacking core than what we got. So A plus for me. Yeah. Now, this is... Weird, because the DBs honestly get the lowest grade of the week for me. Yeah, I mean, tie for lowest grade of any position. But that's not to say they were bad, because like I said, there's no unit that got below a B plus. which, by the way, they get a B plus. The The main reason why I say B plus is because a couple of times, it's mostly Russ Yeast and TJ Smith. Both of them, when they were assigned on zone coverage, Russ Yeast especially got, there were a couple of plays where he was lost. Like, the one really big, deep completion was against Russ Yeast. And he just caught... He was not looking where his zone should have been, and the receiver got behind him, and he tried to recover and just didn't. TJ had a similar moment, and Echo... Okay. Echo and man coverage. Goaded. 
Echo in zone coverage still goaded, but has occasional mistakes. And this could be on Echo, or it could be the safety behind him. But there was a play where a receiver like snuck behind him, and I think it could have been Echo got sucked down into the flats, because that just happens sometimes. But other than that, the DBs were really solid all around. It's just those two big plays kind of dampened my mood. Yeah, yeah were you thinking about the... Uh scramble play where miles kendrick got hurt uh where the guy's just kind of wide open maybe mm-hmm. it was Jalen daniels that was in oh, okay. it was later on in the game oh okay okay okay. like yeah. it, it, it's still not like an atrocious rep for echo because he was still covering someone and he doesn't have eyes in the back of his head yeah so but yeah, yeah. b plus i went with an a minus just because i i don't know that didn't other than Russ giving up the one big chunk play uh, early in the game, and then he also kind of gave up a corner route uh, later in the day as well on the one touchdown drive that KU had. Other than that, nobody was atrocious at really any moment. Like, there was a moment where uh, I think it was Lasseter got wide open. That was the play where Kendrick uh, hurt his ankle, like his second snap, uh, where he was rolling out of the pocket. It was just kind of improv at that point. uh, He... Just barely got rid of it in time. Last year, just kind of happened to be open, found a soft spot in the zone. So, not mad at anybody for that. Yeah. Oh, and I do remember Ross Elder kind of getting nanaed by Devin Neal whenever he was coming down for a tackle. But, like... That's kind of a weekly occurrence. It's kind of a weekly occurrence. I, I can't count it against the DBs at this point because we just kind of know what's going to happen. So, like, I just make myself okay with it. Yeah, and, like, yeah. you know... I still don't hate the Ross boss. Mm-hmm. He had, he has one really bad moment each game, and I feel like everyone kind of uses that to justify calling him trash. And he's not. Like, we, we give him a lot, a lot of crap for no reason because we think it's funny. But he's not even close to yeah. the worst safety in the Big 12. Yeah, and also he's, despite still making boneheaded plays at times, he has made massive strides from last year because last year he actually was just bad and yeah. <laughs> this year he's still not great but he is much better than he was last year he still makes the occasional bad play but i i still and he still frustrates me at times but i i've grown to start to like ross elder uh especially in the moment where he had the pass break up against the bat at the goal line yeah <laughs> <laughs> at that yeah, moment each other like and they were like, yeah, they're like a pass broken up by Ross Elder. And I was like, surely that's a misspeak. But no. there must be another number nineteen on the defense. Yeah, <laughs> against the baddest first round receivers. That was definitely not <laughs> you know dopes. But yeah, no, there are a lot of pass breakups as well. Uh, Echo Boydo had one. Uh, Reggie had a leaping pass breakup on a attempted screen which he decided against uh tj smith had a pass uh deflection as well which i actually don't remember happening but i believe it because it's on the official stats as well as espn stats uh nate matlick also had the uh pass deflection on jason bean's final drive i believe uh just batted it down pretty simple although he's not a defensive back other than that uh they were really good in tackling this week russ yeast was wrapping up really well and he was a great Reggie played through injury and was Reggie. He's so, so good. I love having him on the field. He's J Mac. J Mac was good as well. Uh, he had seven quietly. Uh, quietly. He had seven tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. Can't really complain about that at all. Russ had three tackles. 
including one, I remember he had a really nice tackle on the sideline of a uh, screen pass, I believe. I think it was to uh, uh, Tory Tory Logan, I believe, the KU receiver. Tory Wilson. Uh, unfortunately, he did get hurt on that play, but it wasn't a dirty tackle or anything by Russ. It was just unfortunate instance. Yeah. Uh, Sincere had a couple tackles. Julius didn't play a whole lot, but he was good. I don't know, just can't really complain too much about the defensive backs. Although they do get the lowest grade, just because they give up a couple big chunk plays. Uh, but I'm not mad about their performance down the stretch because it was clear that we were going to prevent defense and you know they gave up some of the short stuff even then they still held the team they, they still held all of KU and three quarterbacks under 200 passing yards so can't complain yeah so now we get into the coordinator grades let's talk about coach Courtney Messingham must didn't need to do much today he did exactly what he needed to he didn't get too cute when he didn't need to. He did call two plays consecutively, but it just happened to kind of work because Kevin Potter sucks. Yep. And also, uh, who was it? Nick Lenners took out both Landry and a corner on the same block. That was he a whiffed. Yeah, that was a very interesting play. <laughs> but anyway, Mess gets an A minus. No, I gave Mess an A just because I couldn't think of a reason to give him an A plus. I couldn't think of a reason to give him an A minus. Like it, it was just an A game. He didn't really miss on any of his play calls. Like I feel like uh, the only ones that were misses were ones that were the players maybe just slightly missing. Like Skyler's overthrow to Keenan, that's a good call there. Like other than him trying to call a back shoulder fade to Deuce for the third time in two weeks. Yes, we keep trying to do that. At this point, I'm rationalizing it as it must just be destroying the scout team in practice. Like, which maybe that's why they keep trying it because they think that, like, if they get a look, it's just going to work and they just somehow keep identifying it. The defense does and they cover it. Kind of like how Echo just deletes any trick play. Like, he did that this week. Echo had an excellent trick play defense uh, this week. But, yeah, Mess gets an A. Uh, I, uh, one of, uh, uh, my good friends, um, he he mentioned the play at the beginning of the second half where it was the same play call twice in a row because of the false start, and they just ran the exact same play and got the ADR touchdown off of it. So it was just literally stat padding for Deuce at that point. Yep. And it was just great scheming. I mean, Duff, Duffy and Adler didn't matter on the play. Noah pulled and did well. BB Adler also started pulled. blocking Skyler. <laughs> Adler was blocking Skyler for some reason. <laughs> Uh, Duffy was just kind of doing nothing. <laughs> Rebus blocked down. Then Lenners, we were talking about this a little bit uh, a minute ago, and Lenners, he went to go block someone, just kind of fell and rolled into Landry and knocked him over, which knocked over the guy he was blocking. Gavin Potter also was really dumb on this play and just like completely Sucked messed into up. the trash. Yeah, he just completely messed up. He could have made that a five-yard game. But he's stupid. So Keenan and Garber had a really good. Yeah, block Keenan Garber also had a very nice subtle block. He did just enough at the end to free up Deuce to give him the rest of the yardage. Because at that point it would have still been like a twenty yard gain. But uh, Keenan did just enough to get him that. And I don't know. Mess just it was a master class against. Granted, not a particularly good defense. In fact, it's an awful defense. Other than, I will give props to one man on that defense. It is Kenny Logan, number one, I believe. He is legitimately 
pretty good. Other than him, though, uh, no one. Yeah, there, there's just not anybody that's that good on that defense. Period. Other than Kenny Logan, Kenny Logan is really good, but it doesn't matter because he's one man amongst ten others on that unit. Three but, of which never look like they're trying. Yeah. So, and then one of which tries a lot, but it's just it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, mess gets an A. Yeah. Mess has been on a really nice streak these last few weeks. So. It's making me. Like I said, it's literally been a tale of two messes for, since Iowa State. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what happened. Maybe he listens, in which case, hello. Yeah, hello, Mess. How are you? Uh, buy our merch, please. You <laughs> <He> coward. <laughs> and now he doesn't listen anymore. Oh, that's but, too bad. That's a shame. <laughs> but anyway, now let's talk about Joe Klanderman, who, again, didn't have to do a whole lot. But, you know, he, other than a few times where I kind of disagree with his philosophy in play calling, like when he chooses to send blitzes, that's really just like anyone you ask is going to have a differing opinion about that. But honestly, I don't see a reason to not give him an A. Yeah, literally, literally exact same reasoning that you just had, same reasoning I had for mess. I don't. I can't realistically, I, I can't reason with myself to not give him an A. He didn't do enough for an A+, because it wasn't like some master class by Klanderman or anything. But he did what he needed to. Uh, he held KU to a, a not particularly great amount of yardage. As I recall, he was, they were held under 300. Yeah, they had 274 of offenses compared to 504 for K-State. Uh, all around, they just, KU could not move the ball. We out-athleted them, but also part of that still relies on scheme because you can still have great athletes and have an awful scheme. Uh, we schemed pretty well for them, even when uh, we were starting to get backups in. Guys like Marvin Martin uh, got a lot of playing time. Marvin Martin had like double-digit snaps, I think, as a true freshman. So the the red shirt is almost certainly gone on Marvin Martin at this point. So, but yeah, Klanderman, he did good. He put uh, our linebackers in positions to succeed. Uh, especially Daniel Green, uh, the defensive line did what they needed to. Just uh, excellent performance from Mr. Joe Klanderman, who started out the year in great standing, fell into dismal standing. Yeah, fell into the abyss. Yeah, he, he was in the void for a not insignificant amount of time and has since resurrected his standing with the Aggieville Alley Cats. I'm sure he was very concerned about that. Yeah. <laughs> because I have my all my previous grades. SIU, he got an A. Nevada, he got a B plus. OSU, he got a C plus. Oklahoma, he got a C minus. That was generous by me. Iowa State, he got an F. And then ever since Texas Tech, he's been climbing every single week. So Texas Tech, he got a B. TCU, he got a... A minus, KU, he got an A. Yeah, just all around. He fell into the abyss for a while. Yeah, uh, for me, I don't have my Stanford grades. I don't know where they went. I don't either. I don't know where mine are either. Clayton got an A against Southern Illinois for me. A minus against Nevada. Then D plus against Oklahoma State. B minus against OU, which is very generous. I got an F. 
uh, against, uh, I believe that this was Iowa State. Because yeah. I have weeks, not opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, week 8, he had a B, which I believe tech. was Tech. Yeah, I think he got an A last week against uh, TCU. And then he got another A this week. So it's been a tale to Klanermans as well, to an extent. And so for he just flips between them at random weeks. Yeah, it, it, you never know what Klanerman you're going to get. He's, it's a, Life is like a box of Klanermans. Never know what you're going to get. Clandies. Anyway, now we can... So with the game day grades out of the way, now we can talk about our MVPs. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. It's the twin deuces. Yep. Both Daniel Green and Deuce Vaughn get MVPs for me. Yeah, 22 on either side of the ball is MVP this week. Deuce and Daniel. That's that's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's all you got to say. I, I would love to expand on it, but we kind of already have, so we can just leave it at that. Yeah. Deuce and Daniel, MVPs. Yeah. So now we can go with the takeaways. I just want to get this out of the way. We still own the state of Kansas. And we are definitively the school that cares about Kansas the most just because of the amount of Kansas kids we have on our roster. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I know that Leipold, I think Leipold understands that. I think Leipold wants to change it. Will he be successful? No. I hope not. I don't think he will be. But if anybody in the last five years at KU is going to do it, it'd definitely be him because... It's either David Beatty, who went way outside Kansas for his recruiting, and Les Miles, who I don't think understood the state of Kansas existed in his recruiting. I don't recruiting. think he understood anything existed. I, I You might be on to something. I don't think he understood. <laughs> I don't think he. I don't... He don't think. He don't think. But, uh, yeah, KU was trying to make efforts about the state of Kansas. Like, when they ran into the field, like, when they ran on the field, they were carrying, like, a Kansas flag. Uh, when, like, the tunnel they ran out of said, like, we play for Kansas and stuff like that. No, you don't. But it ultimately is meaningless if the team you're facing, which is also in-state, has triple the amount of Kansas kids that you do. So it, it's just platitudes at that point. So it, it this all feeds into the fact that KU is just an awful football program in every sense. Uh they, I was expecting a stiffer challenge, I think, honestly, from KU than what we got. Um, the score wasn't a blowout, but... The it, game was. The game was. This was not a particularly close game at, <laughs> at any point. And, like, I, I, I don't know what to say other than that. Uh, the defense was suffocating. The offense was doing what... Ever wanted. They averaged 8.8 yards per play, a uh, full yard per play more than any other game in the Climbing era, beating out the previous winner of OU last year where they averaged 7.8 per play. So this was offensive domination. The only thing was that we just didn't have the, as many drives. So we just we scored on, I believe, five of nine drives uh, that weren't the end of the game. And if you take yeah. if you take out the end of the first half, I, I believe it was five out of eight. We punted like twice, so it was domination. KU has a long way to go as a football program. It's not impossible, but it's, it's kind of impossible. It's gonna be a while. They're gonna have to be patient. I don't know if they have that. They they've never been patient. So I'd be surprised they're patient with Leipold unless he really shows signs of life. But other than the OU game, which 
is more and more seeming like an aberration in every sense of the word. That's because OU was bad that game, not because KU was good. Yeah, that and KU was really dedicated to the QB run, which they almost immediately gave up on in the game where and the game on Saturday, just because we covered it twice and they said, "Well, we're never doing that again." So yeah, you know, yeah, is what it is. Yeah, KU's still dog water. We kind of just went over that. They're really bad. Like it, it's not even like one of those moments. Like, oh well, this is what they could do to improve. It's almost like full overhaul. <laughs> Like, at this point, it's going to take a lot of money. We kind of talked about this in the preview. Need a developmental coach, a lot of money, and patience. And you have to have all three. I don't think they're going to get the money up for it. I, I will believe it when I see it if they have the patience, although I don't think they have it. They might have a developmental coach, but I don't think they have the patience for a developmental coach because it's going to take Leipold probably four or five years to get this program to looking respectable on the field. Yeah, and that's looking respectable, not being good. Yes, that that is like three win, four win seasons, as opposed to one win seasons with a come from behind win against an FCS school. So, yeah. Yeah, our defensive scheming every single week, it's coming more and more together. We're looking more and more comfortable in the 3-3-5. We finally look like we have an understanding of what it's actually supposed to do, which... For a while, we, we kind of did. I'm not doing that rant again. I'm not doing that rant <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, it took an hour last time. <laughs> <laughs> it involved a whiteboard. Yeah, we, we simply don't have the facilities to do that on the pod. So we will have to start like recording this podcast and like uploading to YouTube to like make that work. Yeah, I actually wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, that'd be but, one thing. Yeah, our defensive scheming is still coming together. And uh, Gavin Potter still sucks. Gavin Potter sucks. He is the ultimate villain in the Sunflower Showdown. I don't particularly hate anybody on KU's roster right now, personally. Like I don't like it's KU, like so I don't particularly like any of them. But there's only one man that I look at and I actively dislike them, and that is Gavin Potter. He is dislikable in every every single way that you could possibly think of. He just seems like a awful person to be around yeah he just constantly is doing terrible things on the field making a fool of himself he was denounced by his own head coach <laughs> after the game how bad do you have to be to yep. be denounced by your yep. own head coach? he got juked out of his shoes twice last year and then compared himself to ray, ray lewis. lewis then tried this... to assassinate skyler yeah. twice succeeded once and then proceeded to have one of the greatest acting jobs that I've seen on yeah. a football field. Yeah, the way that he flopped after getting pushed by Joe Irvin was one of the most hilarious and also sad things I've ever seen. Cause You're he, the Potter! Because <laughs> he acted so tough in the moments after, and then he got shoved by Joe Irvin. Not softly, but not really that hard. Got and He bumped into his own guy, was standing just fine, saw a ref, and then just collapsed. And... <laughs> It and he's coming. What people like stereotype soccer flopping as that was that was it right there. That that was soccer making its way into American football in terms of flopping. It was awful <laughs> and also funny. <laughs> Do the Potter. But the the only good thing that Gavin Potter brought to the world on Saturday was that 
he reminded everyone that K-State is a tightly knit team. And the second Skyler got hit hard, late and out of bounds, the entire team rallied behind him. The whole bench was there. And I also noticed throughout the game that like when KU players were shoving people out of bounds or like it was like in general interacting with the sideline in any sort of way, there was like a unit of coaches whose job was solely to like run over immediately, push away the KU player and hold back every K-State player <laughs> on earth. Did Van do that once? I think so. <laughs> it's clear that they have instituted some sort of protocol after last week, which in which they honestly did the best they could considering the incident was on the opposing sideline. So uh, it was just something. Running, <laughs> he really wanted to hit that flying crossbody, bro. <laughs> All I'll say is Tracy from Atlanta. You'll get it if you if you get, if you know you know. So you, pro- I don't, I don't even know if you get it, but you might. I'll have to show you the clip. But, clip. but yeah, I don't know. That's all Gavin Potter did that was productive in any sort of way. Was uh, unite, make us laugh was, at yeah, his expense. Yeah, make us laugh at his expense. Unite the K State sideline and remind the world that K State is a much better put together football program than also, KU in every facet. Also remind us that we actually won that recruiting by losing. Yep, it was, for K State and Texas Tech, it was addition by subtraction with Gavin Potter. <laughs> like he was committed to K State, briefly was pseudo committed to Texas Tech because like the day before he committed, he posted a picture or the day before signing, he posted a picture in Texas Tech uniform, and then he took off the KSA hoodie, took off the Texas Tech shirt. We've all seen the video where he had the K the KU painted on his chest. It was, in general, just unlikable and annoying, and other things I'll refrain from saying on this relatively PG podcast. And Other than the, the two times which we've said yes. no-no words. Yes, the, it's been a bit now. Technically three, but that third episode we started over we scrubbed we scrubbed it (laughs) we scrubbed it from existence no one knows about it except us Uh, good luck figuring out which one it was you won't you really won't because i honestly don't even remember which one it was so uh anywho (laughs) but yeah yeah that in conclusion gavin potter sucks yeah in conclusion (laughs) that might be the title of the episode (laughs) but anyway that pretty much concludes this episode of the Aggie Valley Cats. It's a dominant victory for K-State. On to the next week where we faced West Virginia, which uh, will be an interesting game, but you'll have to wait for the preview episode to find out why. If you want to contact the show via social media on Twitter, we are at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. I, if you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C and capital B. If you want to support the show in a more financial sense, we are looking for sponsors. But if you want to get something in return in terms of physical goods, you may check out our merchandise store where we have such designs as Neon Alley Cats and Play Sandstorm Cowards. But most importantly, thank you all for what, for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>